and welcome to Hello Human, a podcast to explore ideas and feature humans working in AI and technology. Anu Shukla, the co-founder and executive chairman at Botco AI, joins us today on the Hello Human podcast, where we discuss the latest topics in artificial intelligence and how it's being applied in the real world. I'm John Nisley, the host of Hello Human and a longtime technologist helping companies adopt and utilize emerging digital solutions. A big thanks to Fortress IQ for sponsoring the program, and be sure to hit the subscribe button wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode is part of our second season of Hello Human, where we are exploring how AI is being used across specific industries and functional areas of a business. And we are fortunate today to have a true leader in the industry give us her perspective and insight on the exciting uses of AI in the sales and marketing domain. Anu Shukla is a four-time CEO and founder with two exits to date, over $300 million. So this promises to be a fascinating conversation. Welcome to the program, Anu. Thanks for joining us on Hello Human and bringing your knowledge and expertise to our listeners. I spent the early part of my career on the customer experience side of technology back when it was called online communications. So I'm very excited for a conversation today. One small claim to fame on my part, I placed the first online political ad back in 1995. And while there were no dinosaurs, there was a thing called Netscape that uh, some of our older audiences may remember, but probably not some of our younger audiences. But fortunately, we've come a long way since those early days of static websites and drip emails. We've now got recommendation engines and chatbots to improve the customer experience. And with more than 5 billion daily users of messaging and chat, it's obvious that mobile computing and real-time knowledge is how people prefer to communicate and work and shop and play. So Anu, you know, maybe to start us off, you can give us some of you know, your highlights for our listeners of, of your story and how you got into technology and you know, the decision that ultimately got you into conversational marketing. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. First of all, I really love the idea of this podcast, exploring how AI is really impacting so many areas of our daily lives and also in business. So I was actually a VP of marketing, a B2B you know, marketing for many years. Initially started out with a semiconductor company and right after that I switched to software and never looked back. And I was actually a very competent and I'd like to say well-known B2B VP of marketing. And in order to be effective, I actually created a whole bunch of tools, software tools for myself. And these tools you know, help me justify my existence, help me get leads for the sales force, help me track campaigns and help me build relationships with customers. But it was all, you know, homegrown. And when I started my first company, Rubrik, which was one of the early marketing automation pioneers, I really used this knowledge of the software that helped me to market it to my peers. And that began my entrepreneurial journey. And it was very, very exciting. And you can tell I liked it because I never stopped. Even though Rubrik was a pioneer and had a quick and excellent exit, I continued to start different companies in MarTech and AdTech all the way up to Botcore AI. So I had done an e-commerce recommendation engine that you mentioned called MyBuys. I did a company called TapJoy. I started a company called TapJoy, previously known as OfferPal Media, which really monetized Facebook and now, of course, mobile games by advertising technology. 
And then, you know, it really gets down to AI. And, you know, one of the things that I remember uh, when we started Rubrik was the internet was new. You mentioned Netscape. Okay. I'm one of the people who remembers Netscape as well. <laughs> and uh, of course, I was just a mere babe, but I still remember it. And the internet was new. And so people were trying to see how do we apply the internet to communicating with our customers for marketing, for relationship building. And there was this new technology called Java where you could build applications very quickly because you weren't looking for memory leaks in C code. And so using the combination of the new Java, you know, language and internet, you know, we created Rubrik and it was many of our customers that were early adopters were very much, they really liked our architecture and the fact that they could leverage the internet. So our first three customers were Cisco, Hewlett Packard and General Motors. So imagine that a little startup out of the valley, you know, getting these big fortune 500 companies. Now this is similarity. When I look at the four or five startups I did, including of course, I have to mention a payments company, RewardsPay, that uses virtual currency in points and miles to let people do online shopping with their loyalty currency. You know, we get down to conversational marketing, which you ask, how did you get here? Well, when I looked like literally 18, 19 years later after Rubrik, a pioneering marketing automation player, and I didn't see things had changed that much from what we first brought to market. So people were still using email, drip marketing, campaign management. Now they've added a little bit of social and video. But other than that, the primary B2B way of communicating with customers at scale was email, which is, of course, going to be around for a long time. I'm not dissing it. We use email. But it was getting less and less effective. So we felt that with the advent of AI, and natural language processing and the mobile device and the fact that chat and messaging was getting so popular and looking at the you know at the at what uh, WeChat had done in China for example where business communications was very much through WeChat not through email we decided to you know that that was enough of a platform shift where we could do something interesting in marketing automation once again and that was really the seed of conversational marketing platform driven by AI chat called Botco.ai. That's great. And I think the most interesting part of that story is you've really seen the industry grow up from from nothing to where it is today. um, And being able to have that perspective is, is so valuable. Can you talk a bit more about that transformation and where it's been and where you see it going? You know, a few years ago, I saw Gartner reported that CMOs, the you know the marketing parts of the organization, were spending more on technology than the CIOs, you know the technology people, and that was really eye opening to me. In the sense of, you know, obviously the the pendulum had swung a bit towards the CMOs with the customer experience focus, and maybe now with the the pandemic and resiliency and everything else that people are focused on, you know, we'll slide a little bit more back to you know kind of operational excellence and some more internal focuses. But but what's sort of your general perspective on the the industry with with that incredible, you know, vision that you've been able to see from you know really nothing to where it is today. Yeah, I mean the nothing part is also very interesting because you even had very prime VCs from Sand Hill Road when they looked at our pitch on marketing automation or as we called it, enterprise marketing automation, they felt it was an oxymoron that marketing was really an art, not a science, and could be automated. And I said, well, 
really without automation, I don't think I can, I could have done what I did for the companies that I work for. And so, you know, we had to fight that battle, just convince them that marketing was really a function that could be automated. And when we went to our early customers, then they were like, you know, we pretty much take our lists and give it to a list vendor and outsource our data. I said, well, you're not looking at uh, the rich information you could get from studying your customers. And so now I just recently saw a CMO interview. I wish I could remember who it was, but it was a well-known CMO who said, look, people say there's too much technology in marketing and I, you know, there's not there's no need for it. And I say, well, if you don't like technology, then just get another job. So you are absolutely right that technology is very much now from, from the oxymoron days to now is very much accepted. And I don't think we can do anything without using the different tools that we use, right? From looking at SEO to looking, you know, studying our audiences to recommending to being more interactive and engaging to analytics that tell us, you know, what's going on. You know, I think technology is very much part of marketing. And I, I absolutely concur with the CMO who said, if you don't like data, if you don't like technology, it's fine. Just get another job, not in marketing. Because in marketing, it's all about your knowledge of the tools and how to apply them to actually make your function operate better, to optimize your budget and to increase your, your patient engagement and streamline your patient journey. Yeah, no, that's that's great. And I love that idea of the the art and science of marketing. You know, I've it's probably a topic for for a different conversation, but I've I've never liked the term artificial intelligence. I like sort of machine intelligence and human intelligence because they're both smart, but they both do different things. You know, there's no way that you know, a human is going to be able to segment a, you know, customer database of millions of people, you know, computer can do it in, in seconds at the same time, you know, some of those beautiful ads that we see on the Olympics this week, you know, could never be created by a computer either. So you really, you re, you need the balance of both at the end of the day. And I think that's, that's what we all agree on, which is great. Turning a bit more to your current role, how is Botco AI using and applying data and artificial intelligence to create, you know, this intelligent chat solution? You know, can you give us some examples of, of how Botco AI is, is being applied at various scales in different industries? Yeah, absolutely. So because of the pandemic, and pandemic is definitely looming over us still, you know, we went from being a general purpose conversational marketing platform for large customers like Massage Envy uh, and some hotel chains, et cetera, to being getting more and more um, pulled into healthcare. Because healthcare had to go through what I call a forced digital transformation. People could actually had to accomplish a lot more without going in person to visit their doctor. All of the admissions, intakes, and this affected so many other ancillary or related areas, mental health, behavioral health, even senior living centers, addiction centers, physical therapy practices, all of those people you know, that normally have contact with users and can and can can see them in person had to accomplish a lot in a digital front door way. And so we got pulled into that and we're being used at scale in many of those uh, those industries. How we use artificial intelligence is we, we actually call, you know, we have AI chat. So basically it's chat without humans. 
And so, you know, we are either at your Facebook page, you can put us, it's a, it's a full enterprise platform with a training capability, with the ability to build these interesting conversational experiences uh, from templates. So you can do it very fast from using, uh, you know, being able to tap into, you know, the terms and ontologies that we have already incorporated and then having a training interface to, you know, you to classify intents and do better matches and, and really train the AI over a short period of time so that it can, you know, be most effective in answering all types of questions. So understanding natural language, having the ability to train, plus a full-on dashboard that can analyze every conversation that took place and tell you, you know, what was the length of that conversation? Was it a, a happy sentiment or a mad or angry sentiment or some other trigger? And so all of this leads you to actually initiate and have, you know, natural conversations with people who come to your website or come to your Facebook page or, or contact you on your mobile device. And really what you're doing is you're understanding their questions and imagine it's your best product manager, your best salesperson, your best SDR is online and has the wealth of knowledge, never takes a vacation, is never mad, and is always available seven by 24 for anyone. So the old metaphor was you came to a website, you pointed and clicked, and you searched for information, read FAQs, and tried to find the information that you want. The new one is really, you know, why not have a conversational website and change the game? Because the conversation is the website. So you come to the website and basically you're confronted with, Hey, how can I help you? Do you want this, this, or this? Okay. Do you want anything specific? Write it here. So we really think that it's much more engaging to take the user into a um, sort of a guided flow through the wealth of content that websites or Facebook pages have and or just get very specific, answer their specific query so that you can take you know, a six day email or six month email nurture campaign and turn it into six minutes where somebody is saying, does this part, you know, work for this application? And instead of saying, read the manual, you go, yes, indeed it does. And here's the place where you can read more about it. So changes the game. Yeah, no, it's it's such a, a great tool and application. And I find myself you know, in many cases, preferring to use these digital tools than picking up the phone and calling somebody because they get the answer right or they get my, you know, food order correct and everything else uh, much more efficiently. And I think, you know, healthcare is such a great candidate for digital transformation. It's such an important part of our society. Uh, at the same time, I think it was you know, intended to be seen as a, a bit of a laggard in transformation. But, you know, in some ways, I think the pandemic kind of pushed you know, transformation into the industry, which is not necessarily a, ba a bad thing. Uh, as the son of a physician who used to get dragged to the hospital in my, you know, grade school, middle school days, when my father had to go, you know, speak into a tape recorder and transcribe, you know, cases, you know, for a couple hours, you know, then whatever, 25 years later, you have Microsoft buying Nuance a couple months ago or you know, last year at some point. I think it was their second biggest acquisition since uh, since LinkedIn. I think that just sort of gives you the indication of the importance of, you know, communication and audio and the spoken word and how it integrates in with technology. So uh, very, very interesting application of, of the technology. Uh, I think, you know, automation 
is sometimes viewed as a, a job killer. Uh, I tend to take more of a utopian view of it that it enables companies to do things that that weren't possible before. Uh, I remember an article on Alibaba, you know, the world's largest e-commerce site, and their Singles Day a couple of years ago, uh, which is the equivalent of of their Prime Day. Uh, I think in 2020 did like 75 billion dollars in revenue. And I read that their AI customer service tool handled something like 300 million inquiries, which mm-hmm. would have been the equivalent of 85,000 humans that they would have had to go <laughs> hire for the, for the day to handle their, their customer support. I mean, clearly that shows you that, you know, in some of these cases, you know, automation is really an enabler and not a destroyer of the workforce. Is, is that kind of your view of automation in, the, in work and society or do you have a different take on it? Oh, no, I actually am very, I concur very much with that thought. And I see examples of it every day. So what happens in marketing in particular, which is where our focus is more than, you know, customer support or sales. Although I think those functions are incredibly related because of CR, if you put Customer relationship management, these are all important aspects and should work in an integrated way. What I see is that marketing is very campaign driven, right? So they're buying different keywords on Google. They're driving traffic. Uh, They're trying to engage with that traffic. They're going to convert that traffic in session into either buying something or just setting up an appointment with a counselor to talk about an issue or to say, decide for themselves which facility they want to tour, you know, tour for what kind of living arrangements for their senior that they're looking for. And all of these activities are going on. And in what I've, I've heard a number that if your website is unresponsive, if somebody can't find the information they're looking, 57% of users will go to another website, your competitors. So being engaging and Presenting the information quickly and correctly is really, really important. Once we have so much money spent on just driving the interest and traffic, you know, and engaging with your customers. And our customers don't have the bandwidth and they can't even find the people. Like, for example, one of our customers is STC Health. It's been written about on our website, so I'm not giving any new information. But they basically are a medical records company that provides these medical records, vaccination records to all 50 states. So it's a, you know, it's a, it's a place where you can go to request your immunization record and provide it to whoever needs it in a safe and secure manner. We are HIPAA compliant, so we are obviously have the systems to deal with this kind of data. But they can't even hire right now. They can't hire enough people to be answering customer questions and customers need the answers and need them now. So it's an important service. So they use the AI to really scale when they add a new state and they have something like 75,000 inquiries that come in. There's no way to, and then it dies down after a while. So there's no way to find the people, train them, and then scale them back when the initial spate goes down and another state starts, right? So they kind of use AI chat very effectively to provide a good level of service in a cost-effective manner in a scalable fashion. So, you know, there's no other way to do this other than automation. So what I believe is that the types of automation that we provide enables our customers to spend their time in high-value activities. In many senior living center sites, for example, you know, well, you know, we have a somebody has an avatar that's Milton 
He's an elderly you know, gentleman who can tell you all about the facilities and costs and activities in that center. And then when you say, well, yeah, I would like to talk to someone, they will get you to a very highly trained counselor that can, you know, can immediately chat with you. So it's a, it's a way of combining sort of the, the basic 20 questions that everybody always has, you know, and getting that out of the way. And then you are self-qualifying into taking up the time of a highly trained counselor, right? And we even train our virtual agents that are created for our customers, the customers create themselves into having sensitivity or sentiment analysis. So they watch out for some words that are triggers for somebody is distressed in some way and need to get to a human right away, or they need to be calling, you know, 911, it's an emergency or some other kind of line. So we even provide sentiment analysis and, and sensitivity training to these agents. But again, back to your question, I think that many use cases that I have described are simply not possible by humans alone for our enterprises. So we really help them uh, in, in enabling those capabilities in the first place. Yeah, to totally agree. And I think the next sort of wave of automation is going to be more about this sort of human technology teaming and how that partnership moves forward. And, and totally agree. I used to do a lot of work on the RPA side and, and we were always advocating, you know, it's not sort of the, the jobs that you're replacing or the people you're replacing. It's really much more about moving, you know, from, from lower value to higher value work. And that's ultimately what everybody's looking to do at some level. And you've got just this incredible background and, and obviously uh, tremendously successful professionally. I think what's also, you know, really interesting is, you know, even while running the company, you know, you continue to support a lot of outside initiatives. Uh, I know you're involved in the Elevate program and at that VC sort of mentorship program, uh, a majority of investments are women-led companies and 40% or so are with African-American or Latinx founders and CEO-led startups, which is great. Do you mind sharing what organizations you're involved with and why and giving us a little bit more background on that? Sure. Yeah, I am a multifaceted person and I feel like at this stage, having done four or five companies, I can certainly step up a little bit and be involved in more things because I, I, I mentor and work with, like, for example, my co-founder, who's perfectly capable of being, you know, leading our company. So I don't have to be in control of everything. I can provide my guidance and my assistance and my contributions and have somebody else, you know, sort of take the lead, somebody that I really believe in and who I've mentored. So with Elevate VC, it's a $40 million, The second fund is about $40 million. I think they're you know, quite well-known VPs, LPs, that believe in diversity and equality, like Bank of America, that have contributed to that fund as well. And we have multiple you know, general partners. And it's really all about supporting underrepresented founders. So I'm a venture partner there. And so I, I look at, I bring you know, what I uh, qualified you know, deals for the partnership to look at. I mentor our existing portfolio, wherever my talents are required, and generally help underrepresented Latinx African-American women founders sort of jump into entrepreneurship. And so I really, really enjoy that. I don't, I don't know, that's the main reason why, why I joined, uh, you know, this uh, took advantage of this opportunity with Elevate VC or Elevate Capital Partners was because I really believed in their mission. So, of course, they have excellent returns. And that was 
certainly tempting to me, but I also, you know, got to do what I really love to do. In addition to that, I'm involved with various academic organizations and women organizations as well. So I'm involved with many universities in their entrepreneurship programs. I've spoken at um, Stanford. I've been involved with the advisory board of the Levy School of Business at Santa Clara University. And of course, my own alma mater, where I got an honorary doctorate, Youngstown State University. I'm involved with the Youngstown Business Incubator and generally trying to do more work in the Midwest to encourage entrepreneurship. So I've, I feel that those are very interesting and important right now in the way I spend my time, which is really should be, a lot of it should be focused on giving back. And entrepreneurship is a topic that I love but I couldn't actually give up, you know, the startup life completely because I love it so much. You can understand Botco is my sixth company. So it's definitely, I had to find a way to do both. And I think I did. That's great. And if, I don't know if you noticed in my opening, I said, I said, you've had at least two exits or two exits so far. So I, I, I was trying to throw in the hint there that there was likely going to be at least one more and, and, and great to hear that you don't let any, any grass grow under your feet and are staying active and, you know, I think it's so important to be able to give back to the community as well. One final question to wrap up, a bit of an open-ended one. You can take this any direction you want to. You know, what, what excites you about the future of AI in your industry and beyond? You know, any advice for the next generation of leaders looking to get into AI and sort of be the next big startup? Well, I think AI is going to be dominating or layering in, in our lives in, in various ways. Whether it is, you know, the autopilot on in your car you know, getting further and further ahead or, you know, planes that would that will go on autopilot most of the time or other kind of, you know, mobility, mobility plays. Or if it's just simple things in your life, like when you want to wash your hands, the water just comes on automatically. And sometimes if you don't have that facility, I've seen people like kind of surprised, like, hey, why isn't the water coming? I'm like, well, you have to lift the faucet. So it's getting more and more in becoming a part of our life. So I see it sort of dominating and, and getting there. But, you know, it has to be used in the right way. And it has to be used in the right way. And people shouldn't expect, you know, sort of uh, miracles out of it. So, you know, but, but application is very important to make it, you know, accessible to everyone. That's what we're trying. Marketing, I love marketing automation. I think I was a small part of, pioneering the beginning of this revolution. And now I'm really excited to be involved in applying AI and analytics, machine learning, et cetera, to the field of marketing automation to make marketers more effective, you know, controlled spend, better customer journeys. And we couldn't actually do it without AI and providing, you know, not a very heavy handed, you know, you have to sit and do a knowledge base for years and years and then access it is not practical for marketing. Marketing people need like, here's my, my white paper. Now just turn it into questions and answers and put it up there. And then, you know, if we have certain scores that are reached in a conversation, transfer that over, you know, transfer that over to a, an agent. And all of that stuff is very practical. And you sort of need some basic software workflows uh, you know, and with the application of AI in a practical way. So I'm very bullish on the fact that we'll continue to refine the use of it. For example, there are some unexpected benefits that we got out of, uh, you know, deploying this conversational marketing at scale at one of our customers. They noticed that a lot of people were asking about, say, a subject 
of acne. They never expected that for their business, somebody would be inquiring if, you know, a certain type of massage would aggravate an acne. And so that led them to create products all about people who had some sort of acne and helping them get over that. So they created a whole product line from just analyzing conversations and what was of interest repeatedly to their customers. So I think there's many gems like that that we're going to see, and it's going to really enhance the ability of marketing you know, to effectively engage with customers. And I'm very excited about those possibilities. That's great vision and great insight and probably a great point to end on. To recap today's conversation with Anu Shukla, the co-founder and executive chairman at Baco AI. Thomas Watson, the founder of IBM, was fond of saying, nothing happens in business until someone sells something. Given the discussion today and the impact of AI on the sales and marketing function of every enterprise, it may be time to revisit the saying and modify it for the modern era. The positive impact of AI on the customer experience side of transformation almost can't be measured, and incredible companies like Botco AI are leading the charge. This episode has been part of our second season of Hello Human, and a big thanks to Elizabeth Middleman for spearheading the season. That's a wrap on today's show. Thank you, Anu, for joining us, and Fortress IQ for sponsoring. If you enjoyed it, don't be shy about giving us that five-star review on whatever platform you are listening. I'm John Nisley, and this has been Hello Human. If you enjoyed this session, subscribe and check out our series at fortressiq.com forward slash podcast. Thanks for joining us today on Hello Human.